The grass is always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Every Saturday morning, I get up and look forward to doing the show because I want to learn from you and I want to know what you're seeing in the landscape, what you have questions about. And Lord knows, I don't think I could live a lifetime long enough to try all of the plants and the flowers and the trees that I want to try. But I do learn a lot from you. The good things that you've got and the problems that you have, too. 404-872-0750. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, summer rose care tips with Pike Nursery. If you're having some issues with your roses, they may have some suggestions for you, some ideas, recommendations, and even products that could help you out. But first, more calls. The phone lines are hopping this morning. So up first, Greg in Powder Springs. Hey there, Greg. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Great. What's going on? Well, I got some uh, zoysia in my front yard I put down a couple of years ago, and it's uh, it's coming in pretty thick. I got a few thin areas in it, like up by my front porch, but that's mostly from my wife walking on it. But I got my uh, landscape company wants to uh, do the aerating, and I just wonder if it's worth it. It's a little expensive. Yeah, I, I don't think this is the right time of year. You said zoysia, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think this is... The, the right time, I don't think it's going to be harmful necessarily, but it's not going to be the most beneficial. So keep in mind, when you aerate the lawn, you're doing it for a number of reasons, but the most important of which is because it's it's become a little compacted, the soil's become a little too tough, so the new grass and the blades have trouble growing up through the compacted soil. So when we aerate, we're you know allowing oxygen to get in there, and when we seed, we're allowing seeds to have a little more room to you know, comfort to grow and sprout and all that. So the best time to aerate is just before the grass begins to grow. So fall is when I think aerating for fescue, because that's when we're going to be wanting to put fescue seed down and all of that. But when you've got the warm season lawns like yours and Bermuda and Centipede, probably the best time and most effective time to aerate would be like late April, because that's really before the green up starts. Um, You're going to aerate enough to, you know, allow the grass that's struggling to grow or just beginning to grow to really start popping up. So since you said it's a little pricey, I don't think I would spend the money at this point. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Uh, one more question too, please. Sure. I have, I got like little some dips and things in my lawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard that you put, if you put like uh, sand, clay sand, you know, a little at a time, Yeah. the grass will eventually grow in and, and you'll like even the grass out. Is that true? Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, Some people put a little bit of soil with it. I mean, maybe like, I don't know, a third soil to two thirds sand. Um, Sometimes you just do straight sand. But yeah, that'll level it out a little bit over time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, obviously do it a little at a time. So you're building it up, not try to do it all at once. Right, right, right. Because if, if you do it too much, you know, if the, if the dent in the, or the yep. indention in the lawn's too deep and you do too much, the grass is going to struggle to grow up through that or right. fill in over it. So yeah, a little bit at a time. Now what I want to do, Greg, I hear you're driving. Um, I'm going to put you on hold and let you talk to Ann again, because I want to get your email address. I'm going to send you a couple things. I'm going to email you um, a much more thorough article in case you have a conversation with the landscapers as to why this is just probably not the most effective time to to aerate zoysia, uh, but also the lawn care calendar that Walter Reeves and the University of Georgia Extension Service put out years and years ago. 
But for zoysia, the best time to fill in those divots, the best time to fertilize, that may be something now since the lawn is in active growth. Um, now maybe a fertilizer, a boost of fertilizer would, would do it just fine and tide you over until you can really aerate and kind of reinvigorate things in April. But I want to make sure you time that right with this calendar. It's just a one-page calendar, super simple. I have mine printed for fescue and have it hanging on the side of the garage so that I can reference it. But yeah, so give Ann your email address, please, and I will personally send you those two things and make sure you're good to go with the zoysia. Great question, though. Thank you very much for the call this morning. Uh, up next... We go further northwest and talk to Jimmy up in Jasper. Hey there, Jimmy. Hey, how are you? Great. You've got a terrible problem, don't you? (laughs) I like it. I think it's pretty, but it's starting to grow into my trees, so I need to do something with it. Yep. Kudzu. How did it start? Do you even know? Was it there before you were? Oh, yeah. It's been there for, I've been there for 30 years. It's been there for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So the best time to get after it is maybe like February, chopping down what you can, pulling what you can in February. And then that allows you to really be um, effective with a spray regimen, like as it really starts to leaf out and new growth's really starting to kick up like in May, um, that new growth is a little more susceptible to herbicides than established growth. Not to say that a Roundup or glyphosate wouldn't work on all of it, but it's a little more, you know, sensitive or tender at that time. So February is a good time to get after it. Chop down what you can, pull out what you can, and then sprays. Um, the active ingredients, triclopyr is such a good one. Triclopyr is in a lot of brush killers and stuff, and that's probably going to be one of the best things you use as far as a spray. Um, the one I've always used, whether it's on... English ivy, I I do a lot of English ivy removal myself manually, but what I've had to spray for that, uh, poison ivy, kudzu, I use the bio-advanced brush killer. Um, All the bio-advanced, used to be Bayer products, are in the blue bottle, so that bio-advanced brush killer's got triclopyr in it. And also ortho has a product, I think it's got weed in the name, it it may be weed be gone, but again, that's got some ingredients that are going to be good for broadleaf weeds and stuff you don't want in the lawn, but also something tough like kudzu. Okay, and it'll kill all the, will it kill the grass also? I don't think the bio-advanced will. I actually never had to use it in the lawn, though. I always just used it in these vining things that were growing in juniper, um, and it never hurt the juniper. Mm, read okay. the label. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I don't think so. I, I don't okay. think so. Something like a glyphosate, like a Roundup, certainly would, but I think this triclopyr, that active ingredient, is a little more selective um, with what okay. it... Yeah. And then so you may have to spray in in April, May when a lot of that new growth starts coming out. But you want to make sure, you know, the leaves are, they get big fast. So when they're the Mm -hmm. size of your hand, when they're almost as big as they're going to get, that's when it's most effective because there's more surface area that that spray is going to adhere to that then is going to send down to the rest of the plant. Um, But you may have to do it again in the fall as well. Like this isn't going to be a one-time you know, knock it back kind of kind of deal. So just okay. <laughs> have enough on hand to where you can probably do it twice. Okay. Well, All thank right. you for your time. Yeah, good luck, Jimmy. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thank you. Yeah, kudzu is really pretty. I, I'm not going to knock it too bad. It is really pretty. But boy, that in English ivy gets out of hand. I mean, just in the time that we've lived in my house, 11 years the English ivy was just enough, I guess, the previous owner to where I was like, oh, that's really pretty. And 11 years later, I, I can't imagine what it would be if I hadn't tackled it year after year, but it's still going nuts. And I'm just waiting for my neighbors to 
come knocking on the door being like, hey, so that English ivy, it's on your property, starting to grow into mine. I don't much care for it. But so far, they haven't said anything. So I kind of sneak out there when it's uh, dusk and pull a little bit at a time. And I see the new sprouts, too. And I just pull them. And the key thing, guys, if you're doing something invasive like that, English ivy in particular, uh, when you weed and put them in a bucket or put them in a lawn refuge bag or whatever, don't go dump it in the woods or a different part of the landscape because then it's just going to grow there and re-sprout there. So I let all of that stuff sit in the five-gallon bucket or sit in the lawn refuge bag out in the sun for like a week or two. I make sure all those weeds are crispy and brown and dry before I dump it back near the creek or just let the trash service come get it. So there you go. Uh, 404-872-0750. Larry calling from Florida. Is that true? That is true. I love it. How are you listening? Are you listening online? Uh, yes, I'm streaming with the... Uh, nice, nice. Up. You are a smart man, Larry. Well, how can I help you today? Uh, my neighbor has a great myrtle that she doesn't want. And it's a uh, semi-mature tree. I'd say maybe probably four or five years old. and uh, But it hasn't been cared for properly. It's already been cut back each season and things of this nature. And I would love to have it in my yard. And so I'm considering uh, transplanting it. But I've done some reading, and it's it kind of sounds like it's a hit and miss as to whether it will survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm used, to, I'm used to in Florida, you know, you stick anything in the ground, it grows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's tough. It's a sturdy tree when it's in place and it's happy where it's at. And people that have tried to cut down crepe myrtles know how virtually impossible it is to get rid of them because of the suckers, because of the water sprouts. I think you have a good opportunity to take one of those sprouts or suckers, take a few, um, and you might have better luck propagating those. They will be the same as the parent tree, and I know that's not going to help her because she wants it gone. Um, But for your success, I think it's going to go a lot better trying to use the, the sprouts. Um, to turn those into new plants. But, I mean, again, like I told the guy with the star magnolia, you've got to dig really, really wide to get that root ball. Um, And like you said, if it's semi-mature, I mean, those things can easily grow to, what, 40 feet? I mean, taller than the house, up to the power lines for sure. So, um, But one of the good things, too, like when we talk about digging up a tree and transplanting it, fall is always the best time to do that. Spring is an option as well. But uh, being able to, whether it's a shrub or a tree, being able to prune it back a little bit and make the size a little more manageable for you. So we know crepe myrtles, you can cut those back next to nothing, really, all the way up until I've seen landscaping crews do it March, April. I mean, pretty late because they bloom so late into the, the summer. So that might be a better option is to wait until you can really cut it back pretty severely and then dig it up and you've got something that's a little easier to work with. Yeah, I read that, you know, it was best to do it when the tree was dormant. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's what I was considering was, you know, waiting for, for that to happen and then cut it way back and then do the digging. But if it's going to be that big a job to, to dig that big a hole, yeah. I might be better off just to go buy one. I think so, too. I the excavation process is just going to be maybe more than you want to tackle. And then you got to consider, you know, do, do I need to call 811 and have them come in and mark utility lines and whatever cable lines are underground? Because you just don't know. 
Yeah, I've done that already. Oh, okay. I knew you were a smart guy. Look at you. Okay. (laughs) Well, Ashley, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I enjoy your show. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I would would put my money on buying a new one. And I know there's some that are just such unique colors that people are like, I want that, you know, and and certain colors are harder to find. I mean, the pinks and the purples and the whites are pretty pretty common but once you get into the reds and deep deep purples and things those are fun but um yeah buying a new one or if that you know particular crepe myrtle was sentimental or something like that taking one of the suckers or the water sprouts that way it at least is a a kid that comes from a baby that comes from the mother tree that's that's a good option as well larry good luck to you man thank you so much we're gonna take a break and we'll be back on wsb Hope you're having a good Saturday morning. I'm going to leave you with Dave Baker here in about 35 minutes. So you're on your own when I'm out of here at nine o'clock. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Isolated thunderstorms today, uh, 30% chance really. High of around 92 lows in the low to mid 70s. Partly cloudy tomorrow, less of a chance of rain. It's going to be partly cloudy. It's going to be hot. And scattered thunderstorms move into Metro Atlanta again to start the work week. I guess we'll do top three. Why not? Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Okay. So in case you missed some of these, and I'm going to add one. So it's going to be the top three plus one. Uh, Number one, cobwebs in the trees, eastern tent caterpillar. They build the web so they can safely eat the leaves of the tree and kind of stay safe from predators. So they do defoliate the tree, but it's not going to cause permanent damage to the tree. Get to them, knock the webs down if you can. If not, their life cycle is going to be over soon, so you can leave them. Uh, Number two, to harvest sunflower seeds, you let the flower dry. Harvest when the back of the sunflower head turns brown. And when you rub your hand over the seeded area in the front, the seeds are going to fall out or you can pull them out, gently use a fork and keep those. Same with uh, zinnia seeds or zinnia flowers and black-eyed Susans as well. You can start to store all of those seeds and then plant, um, you know, like spring when the chance of the last frost has already passed. Keep those in a dry, cool spot. And uh, just know when you're working with a black-eyed Susan seeds that they're a lot smaller, small little black seeds. So um, they reseed themselves a lot of times. So that's what makes that perennial. That'll come back wherever it's growing. And number three, speaking of seeds, start seeds for the cool weather vegetables. So go ahead and head to Pike Nursery and pick up seeds if you want broccoli or collards or lettuce in order to be able to transplant them into the garden by early September. That's going to be ideal. So you have to back time everything about six to eight weeks. So start those seeds and seed trays now. And what was my number four? Oh, pumpkin seeds. Yeah, I'm just all about seeds right now. Um, I had a small pumpkin, no joke, from Thanksgiving. I just bought it as a little piece of decor. It never went outside. And I kind of forgot it was on my buffet in the dining room and literally just looked like a month ago. And I was like, oh, my God, that thing has not rotted. It was. I was starting to wonder if it was fake. Uh, but I cut it open a couple weeks ago, got the seeds out of it, have them uh, drying in a paper towel, put them in a colander, you know, rinsed them off real well. And I've had them drying in, in between paper towels uh, in a near a vent in the house for a couple weeks now. So this is getting to be the last time you can plant pumpkin seeds. You can go buy them, of course. Um, but I that's a reminder to myself to hurry up and plant those pumpkin seeds. Give the, the vines plenty of room. You want to Put them in a wide spot, mound them up a little bit, and you'll have pumpkins by fall. 404-872-0750. We'll be back with Pike Nursery.
sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Less than half an hour to go on Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB here with you until 9 o'clock and then Dave Baker and the Home Fix It Show come up. And before the end of the show, um, I may try to drag Dave kicking and screaming in the studio to make a, a small announcement. A lot of you know what's coming up at the end of the week, but some of you may not. So I would love for Dave to help me make it. It's been a busy couple of weeks here at WSB and it's going to continue to pick up and get a lot busier Uh, through the end of the week, all for a good cause. So I hope you guys listen during the week because Thursday and Friday are big, big days. 404-872-0750. Up next, I want to talk to Teresa and Jasper, and I'm almost positive I know what Teresa this is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Ashley. (laughs) So marching band days with your daughter, Michelle, were the best of my life in high schools. Is this the Teresa? Yes, they were so much fun. <laughs> it's so right good to college. hear from you. It's so good to hear from you. <laughs> wow. So uh, you guys are up in the Jasper area. Yeah. All I right. have some wisteria that I cannot get rid of. We had a pile of it, and we got rid of most of it. But that in the roots, it's hard to get rid of. Oh, boy. Now, I don't know when you tuned in, Teresa, but did you hear me talking to the guy about kudzu? No, I'd love to get rid of that, too. <laughs> well, I have one product that's going to do it all for you. Um, same with the kudzu. I, I know that wisteria is a little bit more woody rather than vining, right? So we have to just keep knocking it back and knocking it back. But when you make the cuts, uh, that you know fresh cut is more susceptible to taking these chemicals. So triclopyr okay. is the active ingredient that we're after, triclopyr. And the products that I told that gentleman for the kudzu and the same goes for you um bioadvanced brush killer is one bioadvanced used to be under the bayer label b-a-y-e-r but it's in the blue bottle so bioadvanced brush killer is what i have successfully used on english ivy poison ivy but it's also going to be effective on wisteria and kudzu and um, the other one was ortho we'd be gone okay yeah that's got and um yeah, I was going to list a third one, but I'm not too sure about that. But those both have that active ingredient, triclopyr. And, of course, glyphosate Roundup is going to kill everything. So desperate times call for desperate measures, I suppose, and that's going to be effective as well. But kind of want to use that as a last resort just because it's going to be harmful to everything else um, around okay. it. But, yeah, you know, removing— What kind of Roundup? Uh, oh, glyphosate is the product. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup. I sometimes use the okay. Roundup name and sometimes not, but but glyphosate is what it's, you know, it's okay. active ingredient. But uh, yeah, I mean, removing all the sprouts from the soil that you can, digging them out, right. clipping them, mowing them um, as, as early as you see them. And then it just takes some time. It's probably going to be repeat applications. But so what is it like just getting way too invasive in and interrupting in the landscape? Because I know it can be a bear for sure. That's that's what's going on. Yeah. We have Pine Island. What Originally, it was eight feet or 10 feet tall, a pile of wisteria. So tried to get rid of most of it. And we have azaleas and lilies and and it just grows up so quickly. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, I just drove by mm-hmm. y'all's old neighborhood, uh, like on Wednesday. I was taking my mom to and from somewhere, and I passed your old neighborhood, and I always think of you guys when I drive by uh, that. I'm not uh, going to say where Alpharetta or what road Woodstock. it was on, but yeah. <laughs> in Alpharetta? No, no, the one in, in Woodstock. Woodstock, okay. Yep, yep. Yep. 
So well, we and Jasper now. Well, you tell that Michelle to listen to the show too. I miss her. I will. She told me about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. And is he still in the the tree business up there? Yes. Okay. Yes. Very good. Well, hello to the entire family. It was so good to hear from you. Oh, it's good to talk to you. Thanks so much for your advice. Well, and and make sure that it works. You let me know that it works and check back in with me and tell me how that wisteria is going. Okay. Is there a certain time of day I should do it? Um, I don't think so. When when we apply herbicides, though, even though this one is not non-selective, meaning this one's pretty targeted, the the one thing you want to keep in mind, I suppose, is drift. You know, if it's a windy part of the day, it could carry over into things. Yeah. So, I mean, don't do it on a windy day, but not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. All right. Have a good one, Teresa. I'll talk you soon. You too. Take care. All right. You too. Oh, my gosh. That was so so cool to hear from an old family friend. Um, okay. So Pike Nursery giving us some summer rose care tips because, you know, the summer heat and humidity can really stress out the roses in your garden, and they can be finicky at times. So tips for keeping the roses in tip-top shape. Preventing or treating disease. Black spot is a common one for roses. You know it when you see it on the leaves. It's aptly named. You want to make sure that when you install rose bushes, you plant them far enough apart and space them properly. I think the label on the plant is not just a recommendation. It's a guideline. You really need to follow that because you know that they can get very large. And once they start growing into one another, that's going to cut back on the airflow and the circulation. And when they're all just crowded in, they don't ever get to dry out on these hot, humid, sticky days or rainy times. So spacing is really, really important to, number one, prevent disease. But when you get black spot, removing those affected leaves, and eventually they're going to fall to the ground anyways. And it's always a good idea, a good environmental practice to then remove the leaves from the soil surface. Anything that's infected with any kind of fungal disease, just want to remove it and bag them up or throw them away, whatever, just to keep everything kind of sterile, so to speak. But Bonide has a product called Rose Shield. So it's a double duty as disease protection and insect protection as well. A lot of the Rose products that you're going to find do two or three different things. Uh, again, BioAdvanced or uh, Bayer, they, they have a Rose and Shrub thing as well that's you know double duty with the disease and insect as well but fungicides oftentimes stop the spread you have to prune away the diseased portions keep in mind that's just taking energy from the plant it's not doing any good so you always have your sanitized pruners when you're moving from plant to plant and different types of plant if you're going from a holly to then a rose to something else it's really important to use like just some rubbing alcohol or a diluted bleach solution to make sure you sanitize those pruners. And another one is uh, powdery mildew. Powdery mildew is going to be visible on the leaves on a number of plants, not just roses, but Rose Shield works on that too. So uh, keep the bugs at bay. I just heard from Peggy, who is a longtime friend as well. She knows who she is. Uh, Japanese beetles. They're all in her yard, so that's why I don't have any in mine. Uh, But Japanese beetles, thrips are a problem. Spider mites can all really affect roses in the summertime. So Bonide Rose Shield, that's also systemic control and insecticide that's going to work on those pests. Japanese beetles are tough. One of the easiest things, if you're not going the chemical route, though, is just to pluck those guys off, put them in a bucket of soapy water, and be done with them. And we had a good conversation last week about, and I may do a newsletter article on this, uh, whether or not those Japanese beetle traps are effective. There's a there's a yes and a no. So if you cannot resort to that, probably going to be a little bit better. 
Uh, prune lightly as needed. So we talked about major pruning for knockout ro- roses uh, and most roses in the first hour of the show. Valentine's Day is a great time in the winter time to cut those things all the way back. Roses are so forgiving that when you prune them back to maybe just 10 or 12 inches high, they're going to put on new growth and they're going to be just fine. But pruning lightly throughout the summer, that's a matter of removing the diseased, dead, or broken limbs, deadheading them so you can keep getting more and more blooms, and also just keeping them shaped a little bit. So it doesn't hurt to just trim them here and there. That's, again, going to promote good airflow as well. And fertilizing. I... I don't fertilize my knockouts. I don't feel like I need to, but of course you can. Dr. Earth has a product, Rose and Flower Food. It's a great choice. It can be used on a lot of flowering shrubs as well as in flower beds, but it has rose in the name too, so that's going to be a good fertilizer just to keep those blooms coming. And something that wards off disease, just as easy as good planting techniques, is good watering techniques. That's so important. And every guest that's ever been on my show has said this from the folks over at DRAM with their watering products and garden lines, the folks at Pike Nursery, talking about not watering overhead. So you don't, I know the the lady in the catalog is standing there looking all cute with the hose and she's just spraying the top of the flowers and the top of the plants. Well, that's really not the most practical. You don't water overhead. You water at the base of the plant. So you're going to have to bend down. You're going to have to kneel down and water at the base of the plant. Or you can use a water wand and just point it at the base of the plant. But the the leaves need the chance to dry out. And you're wasting a lot of water too. When you're watering overhead, a lot of it's just not going uh, where it needs to. So with all the pop-up storms we're having too, think about it. You may not need to water your, your flowers and your lawn too. My goodness, if you have an automatic sprinkler on a timer, be sure to look at that because you look kind of silly uh, when it just rained the night before and I'm driving out to work at 3.30 in the morning and I see your sprinklers on. I'm like, oh, well, your water bill is higher than mine. So make sure to not give anything extra water. You can use a rain gauge to know how much water you're getting. Roses enjoy about two inches of water a week. So that's not bad. Um, And in talking about good cultural practices and environmental practices, insofar as removing the diseased leaves from the scene of the crime, so to speak, a good layer of mulch around the roses and around any plant, too, is going to help retain moisture, help keep the weeds at bay, but also make it easier for you to pick out the leaves and the things around the base of the plant that you don't want. Uh, Pike Nursery, there are classes still going into the fall, which I absolutely Love. They were busy in the spring and the summer, a lot of free kids' classes as well. But the next one that's coming up is not this Saturday, it's next Saturday. It's a free in store class, Deer Resistant Plants. Holy cow, a lot of you are really going to want to hone in on that. So go to pikenursery.com, go to classes and events, and there you can register for it. It's free, but they just kind of want to have an idea of who's going to what store and kind of keep the numbers in check at each uh, Pike Nursery location. But Deer Resistant Plants, a class at Pike Nursery coming up next Saturday, and then into August looking at one, how to choose houseplants. We talked about houseplants at 7 o'clock, how to choose the one that's right for your space. I kind of gave you some guidelines on determining how much light an area in your house is getting, kind of a fun little trick of using um, a sheet of just plain white paper and stand by the window where you're thinking about putting a house plant. Lay that piece of white paper down. Hover your hand over that sheet of paper about eight inches off of it. And if you're seeing a shadow, that's a lot of light. So a high light house plant could tolerate that, something a little more tropical. If there's absolutely no shadow, you're not getting a lot of light in that area. So you can consider the low to medium light plants for that area. But uh, yeah, in August, how to choose house plants and gardening for beginners.
So love that. PikeNursery.com to find out more. If you follow them on Instagram, that's oftentimes where there will be contests and pictures of some of the plants as they come in. If you need some ideas, that's a good follow on Instagram. 404-872-0750. We'll have time for another call or two before we wrap things up here on 95.5 WSB. Back on Green and Growing in the last final moments and 75 degrees now. The complete weather update will come to you, courtesy of Channel 2 meteorologist Brad Nitz, in less than 10 minutes. But a quick overview brought to you by Finley Roofing. Isolated thunderstorms, 30% chance for showers today. High of 92, partly cloudy. High of 95 tomorrow. Scattered thunderstorms roll in at the beginning of the work week. And a reminder, too. Uh, talking about some of those classes at Pike Nursery, they are free for other things going on around Metro Atlanta, like today's Fulton County Master Gardener intro to gardening classes. Cherokee County Master Gardeners have some as well. And I know North Fulton Master Gardeners have some great ones coming up in September. But I keep you up to date on all of that on the website. When you go to wsbradio.com slash green and growing and go to the events tab, you'll see uh, where I am if I'm making any appearances, gardening related or otherwise, or some of these classes and things. And I think, Dave Baker, we should probably have the WSB Radio Carathon on the events page. That's a pretty darn big event. Who sponsored the weather? Finley Roofing. Okay. Yeah. So, but hey, the uh, 22nd annual WSB Radio Carathon. How many years have you been been a part of this? 22nd. All 22 years. And you are paired up. It could be the 35th annual. I'd still be part of that. Oh, absolutely. I think so. So thanks to the wonderful coordinator who's doing a lot of the behind the scenes work. I didn't know we had one this year. Yeah. Paired you up with Belinda Skelton. Y'all are going to have a fun part of the show on Thursday from 6 to 9 p.m. I'm like a career ender for women hosting (laughs) Is that why you have all male guests on your show? No. No, you've had a couple of females. It's okay. Yeah. No, you and Belinda are going to do great together. Do you remember, didn't you used to be on with Elise Klink? The important, no, that was Walter. Oh, okay. The important part is that Joey's going to be with us. JD. Oh, Joey Joey. Martin, the patient. Yes, patient. She's a regular co-host now. She's part of the station. Well, you know, I had to to explain that to the folks over at Children's. They're like, wait, we didn't give you Joey Martin's name, and she's on the schedule. And I said, she is demanded by Dave Baker. They're buddies now. This will be her third year. As a uh, patient interview on the Carathon. See, so. it's not a, she's part of the show. It's she, not a patient interview. She's co-host. a host. She's a All co-host. Right. So what are you going to make her do? Are you going to make her read liners? She's and got, she usually does out? some poems. Okay. And, she sing, <laughs> and she sings a song. Brings her guitar. She's got a, yeah, she does. She no, does. Seriously? She does, well, yes. probably listen between yes. 6 and 9 on Thursday. So uh, for someone new to Atlanta or new to WSB, what is the Carathon? How long does it last? It lasts, I don't know, from 4... Let's start at 4.30 or 5 on Thursday morning till 6 on Friday afternoon. So 37, what, 37 hours. hours. You did good math there, yeah. 37 hours. Not so bad. you all as hosts. It's like a regular work day. Oh, yeah, of course, right, 37 it's, hours. It's, it's like 12 work weeks for mm-hmm. me. But So the hosts get the opportunity to broadcast from the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Support Center, which is a brand-new building. This what will a be facility that is. Beautiful, right? So we get to have the patients and their families come in. And uh, folks can go to wsbradio.com slash carathon to find out more. But I want to congratulate you. I've only got 20 seconds to do it. 
You are the very first Centennial first one? champion. You Come are. Come on, people. Wake up out there. Anybody that commits to pledging $100 a month for a year will be one of our Centennial champions. Thanks to Edible Arrangements for providing the teddy bears. Where's my bear? There's a lot of different things you get. It's right here. Throw Folks, it. we'll see, see on it. the Facebook page throw your photo op with the bear right here. I'm going to throw, throw it to you. Throw it to me. I'll see that right. That photo is going oh up on God. social media in just a minute. Hey. Okay, we've run out of time. So Dave's show is up next. I'll talk to you guys later. Ha, 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 ha.